For the week of May 30th, 2021, this is Showbiz Sandbox, episode 543, the podcast that brings you all the dirt, making news around the entertainment world. In Los Angeles, I'm Jay Sperling Reich. And in Lothlorien, I'm Michael Giltz. I have no idea what Lothlorien is, but let me ask you this. Could you tell that I forgot our opening midway through me talking no. there? No. no. Okay. Just no, checking. You don't know where Lothlorien is? It sounds familiar, and I have a feeling you're going to tell me it's something that has something the to do Lord with... The Lord of the Rings. Oh, God, that's right. That's why it sounds so familiar. Okay. The forest where the high elves live. Good Lord, pay attention. Uh, uh, oh. Anyway, got some. I got some good feedback about our brief comment about comparing what would you want to invest in, a TV series based on the property of The Lord of the Rings or the two Knives Out sequels. Both of them are costing about $400 million. We said you only get four hours, two movies out of Knives Out. You could get, you know, if you're lucky, you'll get, you know, five seasons or who knows how much from the Lord of the Rings properties, not to mention other spinoffs you could do. So that seems a, a, you know, a property with a much bigger payoff potential. However, as some people said, remember, they are not adapting the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. They do not have that map that J.R.R. Tolkien created, those four brilliant novels that are so complex and rich right. that they powered six different movies and could easily power a 12-hour miniseries for The Hobbit or whatever. They are going completely off the map. They are They're going a, de novo. Let me yeah, little, are, throw in a little Latin for you. <laughs> nice. They are taking literally a footnote and extrapolating that into a, a complex TV series set a thousand or 2000 years before the events of the Lord. You have none of the characters, none of the settings, none of that great structure that Tolkien created. And look what happened to game of Thrones when they had to go off book, not pretty. <laughs> so that is making that Lord of the Rings TV series, a much bigger risk. If they were just doing like the Rangers and, you know, Strider, you know, Aragorn as a Ranger before the events of the Lord of the Rings, I'd feel a lot more confident. They are really doing something difficult that does make it much riskier. I still feel like, gee, that's got a much bigger payoff. And I'd probably ro rather roll the dice on that than two Knives Out sequels. But those are much safer. So fair point. I wanted to bring that up. People are paying attention, Sperling. They're listening to what we're saying. That's what we talked about last week. What about this time? Well, this week on Showbiz Sandbox, we've got some box office numbers to report. And no, you did not mishear me, actually. I did say box office numbers, and there's a lot of them, and they're quite accurate this time. Stream that, you over-the-top content providers. Apparently, <laughs> people still want to go to the movies. Someone please tell Disney and Warner Brothers, okay? <laughs> also, someone tell top male execs that if you don't realize that the hashtag MeToo movement is here to stay, it will soon be hashtag YouTube. I don't know. Do I have to say the hashtag? Maybe. I don't know. One UK producer called out BAFTA for not taking anonymous warnings about actor Noel Clark seriously enough. And then this week, he got his wish. On Inside Baseball, we look a little closer at the Amazon deal for MGM. What movies and TV shows will they get? And will the anti-monopoly movement block the deal? Not if they want their next day delivery, they won't. Of course, during Big Deal or Big Whoop, Whoop, we'll discuss some of the week's top headlines. But first, as always, we turn it over to entertainment journalist extraordinaire Michael Giltz to fill us in on last week's box office. That's right. And we're looking at box office around the world for the week ending May 30th. I think the numbers are pretty accurate. The number one movie around the world, there's no doubt about this. It's A Quiet Place Part 2. I don't know why you don't have to whisper it. You know, it's that's not really the way it works. But yeah, it is. You know. You've got to be super quiet or the aliens will attack. Oh, spoiler alert. 
$70 million. It made $70 million. People don't want to be quiet. They want to shout about this on its opening week around the world. This is for a movie that has a 45-day window, by the way. It goes to Paramount Plus in 45 days. Nobody said, ah, no bother. Why bother going to the movies? I can watch it on Paramount Plus in 45 days. They were happy to go. But remember, these are still unusual times. People are dying to see anything. And so they were really happy to go see A Quiet Place Part 2. Cruella also did well. The North American box office broke $100 million for the weekend. Haven't done that in over a year. So everybody was happy. Lots of good news around the world. Uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina. Those markets are now open back up again. So great to see the lights turning on all over the world. Well, now, you know, uh, first of all, this whole 45-day window Paramount Plus thing, I was at, at the car wash because, you know, it's been a year. <laughs> so I figured... <laughs> Nothing was stopping you from washing your car in the last year. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's like you're not going anywhere, so what's the point? Uh, so I washed the car and, and the entire car fell apart because the only thing holding it together <laughs> was the dirt. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and there, I guess the, uh, the Champions League was on over the, uh, the weekend. Yes, uh, it and was. Ch- Chelsea won. Congratulations, Chelsea, over over Man City, Manchester City. Uh, and uh, I guess there was somebody there who was trying to tell their friend how to watch. Got to go to Peacock. Got to go to Paramount Plus. No, it's it's Paramount oh, 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 Plus. Paramount Plus because yeah. Peacock had a lot of so- uh, football as well. Yeah, but mm. this was a CBS thing, so it was on Paramount okay. Plus. And th- like for half an hour, he was explaining to whoever <laughs> it was at the other end of the line, like how to download Paramount Plus, what the login was, and then the login didn't work, and then it finally worked. But was, then he he giving, have- was he giving him his login? Yes, but did it very, <laughs> did it very a quiet place too. I'll say that. <laughs> and but then I thought, how funny! Like he doesn't have the right package. I thought, how confusing is all of this? Yeah, and meanwhile, me- right out. meanwhile, they missed the only scoring of the whole thing because. <laughs> Well, there you go. Streaming is part of our lives now, and A Quiet Place Part 2 is part of cinematic history, the first movie really to turn on the lights in a big way. People are very excited. At number two around the world is F9, the latest Fast and Furious movie. It made $67 million worldwide. It's at $230 million and counting. However, in China, did we talk about last week John Cena and that, that whole rigmarole? We did not. However, here's what I will point out. You said something just now. The first movie to turn on the lights in North America. So a little asterisk there. In North oh, absolutely. America. Absolutely. Yeah. You're quite right about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, we, we mentioned it down down below a big deal, big whoop. I have so it why don't we just deeper, keep it there? But John Cena got in trouble. Uh, people were annoyed at him in China. Would that affect the box office? Almost certainly it did. The box office fell 85% from last week. It's true the movie also got relatively poor reviews this is all on a sliding scale because we're talking fast and furious but it got relatively poor reviews in china for this edition Uh, it looks like it's going to top out about a little bit over half of what the last two movies did so that's well below what they were hoping for maybe it's the movie but china really does work hard on word of mouth and this sort of social media stuff really catches fire quickly people learn not to go or should go and they immediately go or walk away that may have happened here We'll talk about it more in well, Big no, Deal, Big know, Whoop. Yeah, we will. And, you know, uh, I, we got an, an email from a listener who didn't really want to be identified uh, talking about Cruella and how, uh, you know, it, it's poor showing. You know, they thought it was a poor showing. Uh, really, um, it, it kind of boded poorly for the future of this day and date release. Premium, of video, di- premium video on demand, yeah. especially. 
Yeah, and, well, and I would say this, you know, $20 million for a movie nobody wanted in the first place. Like, it, it's like Dumbo. Nobody wanted a remake of Dumbo or a live-action Dumbo. Our in-house film critic thinks the Dumbo live-action remake is quite good. I'll just okay, say Okay, I haven't seen it. Um, but uh, I do know that Cruella got really poor reviews. Uh, it was released over Memorial Day weekend. And I think there was some confusion as to whether it was even going to be in movie theaters. Everybody thought it was just going straight to DV- to uh, Disney+. Plus. So, you know, it was really the first... Things have really opened up here in North America quite quickly. Not in Canada, but here in the U.S. Things have opened up. And this was the first weekend where I would go places and places that would normally be crowded on a Saturday and Sunday were dead and not because of the pandemic everybody was traveling everybody was out i I had the opposite experience i went to a nice outlet discount mall and that place was jammed on saturday night parking lot was i was astonished full 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 so i was i felt like anecdotally gee people want to spend money they're ready to go they want to be out they want to do things they want to spend money so you know we'll have to look at the stats once they come in anecdotal evidence is the worst evidence but cruella and a quiet place part two were both liked by audiences they both got solid cinema scores they both got good solid recommendation numbers in terms of they liked it and they would recommend it to others women were a majority of both audiences uh, so a quiet place part two made 70 million worldwide f9 made 67 million and cruella made 37 million dollars how many people decided to stay at home and just watch it for 30 bucks i know one couple in seattle who did that they said well you know we could go to the theater and pay 30 bucks or we could just do it here and so they just bought it at home. They already subscribed to Disney Plus. And they said, well, why bother? And you know what? Disney gets all $30 of that. They also get the $7 a month they're paying for Disney Plus. So it's kind of a double win for them. That movie would have to make uh, $75 at the box office for them to get the same amount of money they got this month from Cruella and Disney Plus from that household. That's how they're doing the numbers. But if they had great stories to tell about premium video on demand or great stories to tell about people signing up and then immediately watching a particular new movie that was available, they would be telling us. They would give us those receipts because their stock is practically bolstered only by the potential success of Disney streaming, right? The, 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 the amusement parks have been shut down. Movie box office has been shut down. All sorts of things are in trouble, but streaming, everybody's been loving that story. So if they had great news to tell, I bet they would be telling it. Well, I also think they don't want to start two things. One, they don't want exhibitor backlash, and that's minor. Who cares? But they're already but, doing it. They're doing right. it. They're, they're but, showing the movie, so they're getting the backlash. Right, but they don't want to have. They don't want to give ammunition to the exhibitor saying, you know, that's they don't it. Care. We're, we're only going to give you because here's what's happening. Like in Brazil, for instance, it costs seventy reais. That's like four movie. The price of four movie tickets. And uh, well, yeah. apparently, first of all, Disney Plus, not really, uh, you know, it's not really winning hearts and minds in Latin America. How, which, how do you, what, what, what do you base that on? Uh, based on the subscriber count so far. And how long has it been available in Latin America? Not long. So okay. th- let's, yeah. let's calm down and not say people don't like Disney Plus. It's very popular wherever it's available. It's doing well. There's no reason to think Disney is not a beloved property in Central Oh, no, no, no. It absolutely is. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah, so let's uh, not the, co- the extra cost of, they're like, people are like, yeah, no, they'll well, just that's, go to the that's movie that's what I'm saying. If Well, it's the same price, though. There they are in Seattle. It would have been $15 for the two adults to go to see Cruella. And they said, well, we can just do it here. That's the, that's the calculation they made. It's the same price, and we can just sit here and do it rather than get off and go to the theater and, you know, deal with all that. 
So they chose to stay at home. That's what Disney likes to hear. But you know, I asked, had- I asked some of the exhibitors in, in Brazil and Argentina, what will you do? You know, if it, with, with, you know, it's day and day, how will you handle it? And they said, oh, well, you know, for Cruella, we won't show it at night. You know, if it's not doing well, we just won't it's, show it at night. And I said, an adult oh, movie than me, a kid movie. It's more of an older teen and an adult what, what, movie what, than a little children movie. It's darker and it's really not geared towards little children. It's Emma Thompson and Emma Stone and it's the fashion world. It's really not for well, seven-year-olds. It's really for teens and adult women. The so point they're I was being trying stupid, to make. That what they should do is not show it in the day. Well, maybe that's what they'll do. The point I was trying to make is that they're telling Disney when they will show it on what uh, days they will show it. In the US, there is no way they could do that. Disney would come and basically say, nope, you're showing it all show times. You're showing it every single day. And that's just that. And you're going to show it for two weeks. That's it. Whereas in, in other countries, there are rules against that. You can't, you can't force an exhibitor or a movie theater chain to play a film at certain times. Right. Or, mm-hmm. or, or a certain number of times per day. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. We're looking at the worldwide charts. Quiet Place made 70 million. F9 almost made 70 million. Cruella made 37 million. The rest of the movies, we have no big stories to tell except for one. Stand By Me, Dori Aiman 2. That's a Japanese anime film being reissued in China, or rather issued in China a, a long time after it came out elsewhere. That made $20 million in China. It's at $48 million worldwide. So a big bump for that movie from the Chinese market. A Chinese romance love will tell us apart. That seems to have made about another $12 million. That's at $42 million total. Cliff Walkers, the d- period film by director Zhang Yimou, made another $11 million. That's at $171 million worldwide. Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, that's having pretty good holds. Another $7 million. That's in $37 million from just a few territories, but including the UK. Wrath of Man is still chugging along. That's at $73 million total. Raya and the Last Dragon made about another $6 million. That's at $129 million total. So all those three movies made about 6 to $7 million. Then we have four movies that made about $4 million, including Godzilla vs. Kong, Demon Slayer, the movie Mugen Train, Spiral from the Book of Saul, and Those Who Wish Me Dead. But there's another one. It's The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Or The Conjuring 3 is how you might think about that. The long-running franchise with Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga that has spun off multiple films and made over, well, just a ton of over a billion dollars, but a ton of money. Uh, that might even be close to $2 billion at this point. They opened up in China. They made $4 million. Maybe it seems like it might have opened in the UK, but it made four million in China. So I can't imagine it flopped in the UK. So I'm not sure what's going on there. It opens up in the US. June 4th on HBO Max. <laughs> I was wondering I was wondering why I saw it on so many different uh, exhibitor websites. I was like, why are they showing The Conjuring? I thought it was an old Conjuring movie. That's how many Conjuring movies are out. Like when I see uh, the poster, I'm like, wait, is that the old one or is that the new one? Because, well, you know, we're showing old movies now because there's not enough movies out. So maybe they're showing Back to the Future and The Conjuring. But boy, The Conjuring, that is a huge franchise. That is a huge moneymaker. And to take that movie and put it on an HBO Max, I don't get that at all. That's a box office, you know, you're just, you're just, I, I get it. It's, it's almost $2 billion franchise from three, six, eight movies. Eight movies, they've made almost $2 billion. The total budget is just $140 million. We talked about it when we were talking about big all time franchises. This sucker prints money. And 
why not wait until you can, you know, country made $300 million, country in two, $300 million. Uh, you know, that's They're the potential trying to make to another get... $300 million from a movie that probably cost, you know, like pennies to make. They're looking at a short-term loss for a long-term gain, and it's the same is true in Latin America, where HBO Max announced that it would be available starting June 21st, the end of June, and what do they do? Uh, rather than the 45-day window that they promised to Europe and the U.S. starting in 2022, they have decided, this is Warner Brothers or Warner Media, that they will uh, allow films, these, these you know uh, theatrical films, to have an exclusive window of 30 days. But HBO Max is throwing away $150 million when they could then bring it 46 weeks later to HBO Max and people would be thrilled to watch the entire Conjuring universe on HBO Max. Nobody would feel cheated if it wasn't available day and date on HBO Max. So why, when you've got a surefire hit and you know if you would wait, you could probably generate a lot of money, you would want to throw that away and say, Oh, well, nobody's going to care if we put it out six weeks later. We got to put it out day and date. I don't see it. Nobody would be angry if the next Avengers movie isn't on Disney Plus day and date. Nobody expects that. Nobody is saying, why isn't the Avengers on Disney Plus day and date? They have not been trained to expect that. They've actually had 130 years of training to not expect that. So I don't, I don't get it. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, a short time, they're actually doing a short time pump up of saying, oh, let's, you know, let's get people excited about HBO Max and ignoring the long term health of a really lucrative franchise. And the fact that the bigger the movie is at the box office, the more valuable to be once it gets to HBO Max. It's That's more really fun. the key to me. And it's I mean, more it's fun to see said. that movie with a big crowd. It's just not yeah, as fun yeah, when you're in your home. And with your mask off, in fact. You know, if you could whip your mask off and go, whoa! Well, that's where we're at. Maybe you won't say that. That's where we are in North America. Major chains are not requiring masks anymore. If you are fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. You're on your honor system, everybody. That's what's going up. But of course, only 72% of North American theaters are open right now, and many of them are still on limited capacity. So this box office that we saw from A Quiet Place in Cruella here in North America, that came despite the fact that one out of every four cinemas is shut down, and the ones that are open are not at full capacity. So that's pretty great to see. And on a uh, on Memorial Day weekend when people have been locked inside for the past year and a half. And want to get out, exactly. And so AMC Theater Chain, uh, they're kind of becoming the new GameStop. It's a stock that that casual day traders, just you and me, folks like us doing trading on their apps, are all I, excited I don't trade about. Stocks. And, well, I, know, I don't either. I don't gamble. I don't go to Vegas and I don't gamble on stocks, which is what they're doing. But they pumped up the stock. It has doubled. The, the share price of AMC theater chain stock has doubled, more than doubled, in one week. They're now valued at $12 billion instead of $6 billion. And who knows how long that'll last. That sort of volatility is not a great thing, but I think for the moment they're probably happy. And yeah, and since most, most uh, stock analysts, most financial analysts, have that stock going to literally a penny, uh, because they look at it and they go, look, you cannot sustain, unless you refinance everything, you can't sustain yourself based on the debt burden you have right now. And there is no way that your company is worth 16 times the revenue you were making in 2019, which is what all of these analysts are looking at. Isn't it 20 times multiple kind of common? No, 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 no. Revenue? No, 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 no. 20 times not, revenue? Not revenue. Not revenue. No, no, no. Oh, you're talking about revenue. Okay. Yeah, no, not at all. 
All right. Well, the Oscars are happening and AMC would be happy about that because that means big flashy movies with, you know, lots of adult appeal. They're going to take place in late March of 2022. Thank you, Olympics and all the other stuff that make that happen. It's still going to be a late Oscars in 2022. But you know what? The nominees will have to be in theaters by December 31st, just like the old days. So we're going to have a 10 month season. Will that have any impact? I don't think so. Who cares that January no, and February you have a are a 10 month season with t- with 24 months worth of movies. <laughs> yes, so, that's right. Yeah. So that won't make any difference. And the Tony Awards, they're going to streaming. They will, the actual handing out of envelopes will happen on Paramount Plus. They'll also have a concert performance of the show numbers later on CBS. So CBS will just get the, hey, here's the songs. Here's the stuff you want to see. The actual awards will happen on Paramount Plus. That's all on September. 27th. But what's coming up sooner is Khan. Are you excited, Sperling? Will you go to Khan? I am so excited to apply for my accreditation to Cannes. Uh, because you know, you know what it's like, Michael. You don't apply, you're dead to them. Even if you don't plan on going, you have to apply. Yes. Um, and so I'm going to apply. I don't know whether I'm going because I don't know if I have a place to stay. I have to call Stephen Garrett, our friend, uh, to see whether he's uh, going because I often stay with him. And by stay, I mean, you know, of course I'm paying, but uh, but he arranges everything. I haven't arranged a place to stay in Cannes probably in 15 years because of Stephen Garrett. <laughs> and, so, and so now I would have no idea how to do it. Well, normally but, if I went, I would go to the UK to London, visit my sister Trit Leslie, both before and after Con, and then come back uh, to America. But this might time, I if suggest I did it, not doing that this year. Do not do that. Do not and stop. In, why is and that? here's the thing: I would take I would take British Airways. Why? Because I have American Airlines miles on British Airways. But if I did that, I would have to land at London Heathrow. And if I did that. I would have to quarantine for seven days once I land in France. And then when I go back through London Heathrow, I'd probably have to quarantine again. By the way, this is the moment where most people will write in telling me, no, if you're just transiting, you don't have to, you don't have to quarantine. But the reality is people from the UK have to quarantine in France and then going back into the UK. Yeah. So for them, most of the business people weren't going anyway. They're like, no. So we're talking about the journalists covering the festival. It's going to be a big problem for them. We'll have to see if they impose that on any other country. I guess the U.S. Well, is and they're not doing shape. any. Yeah. And they're not doing any virtual stuff. So right. I have which, a few, I don't know why they're doing this. I, I, I get why it. France? I know they. No, 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 no. Oh. I don't know why can. It's really early for them to try and do this. I know. Mm-hmm. I get it. I know why they want to do it. And I and I sympathize with their cause. But I at wish the same they would time, do it virtually. Yes. Just this one year. And to say, look, don't get used to this. Don't even yeah. save your username and password for whatever platform we're on because it ain't going to be available next year. Well, you may be lucky enough to holiday in France. And we should have mentioned at the top of the show, it's a holiday here in the U.S. It's Memorial Day. So our box office that we have covers really eight days here in the U.S. because most of the movies we have estimates for Monday's play date. Whereas the rest of the world, it's basically the box office through Sunday. So that's, you know, we just always give you the latest totals whenever we can. But it is Monday, which means lots of big news will start to happen Tuesday morning, long after we've recorded the show. That is true. That is true. (laughs) And speaking of truth, uh, Me Too matters. Uh, The BAFTAs got in a lot of trouble when they responded to allegations about producer and actor Noel Clark. People criticized them and said, hey, you know. 
Three women came forward. Yes, they came forward anonymously, but BAFTA should have done more. One of those people saying so was producer Charlie Hansen. Well, now he gets his wish because 11 women anonymously came forward with very detailed and specific allegations that Hansen has groomed much younger, impressionable women. That was sent to BAFTA. Now the police are involved and actively investigating. Hansen has been suspended by BAFTA. He has been dropped by Netflix, where he was collaborating on a show with Ricky Gervais, whom he has worked with many times over the years. And Gervais said he was shocked and appalled by what he's heard. Wow. So maybe don't stick your head up above the parapet if you are uh, also guilty of the same crime. Don't point fingers. Well, that's the, the, the real lesson is to not sexually harass and do whatever say, you may have done to women. Don't commit <laughs> yeah. the crime in the first place. Don't be a bastard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of bastards, Kevin Spacey. Uh, somebody should tell Vanessa Redgrave's husband that she won't be appearing in his new film with Kevin Spacey, where Spacey is doing a cameo. That must have been an awkward conversation over the breakfast table. <laughs> what, what, so ex- explain that, what, to me what, what happened there. Because I, I, well, once, that, Spacey, once that whole thing broke, I started to stop paying attention. I was like, whatever. Right. Kevin Spacey may be doing a cameo in a new film about a man who's falsely accused of sexually molesting children. So that takes guts right there. It's a, it's a, a, a well-known director who is married to Vanessa Redgrave. That's what he's best known for. And he's making this new movie. He's starring it. Spacey was going to have a cameo as a detective or a cop of some sort. And the movie was potentially, possibly, maybe going to include Vanessa Redgrave. So all the reports said Spacey would be starring in a film with Vanessa Redgrave. She said, well, no. (laughs) She was maybe, possibly, but it's not happening. She's not involved in the movie and she's not saying it has anything to do with Spacey, but not involved with that one. Get me out of it. That's basically yeah, she's like, it has nothing to do with Kevin Spacey, but I don't want to act with that guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what I would like to do is to tell you about the streaming numbers this week, but I couldn't find them. Every what? week, the, stream, the streaming numbers from Nielsen about the most popular properties on the streaming coverages that they, the streaming services that they cover, meaning Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Hulu, and Netflix. Those are the one Netflix has some coverage of. Uh, just wasn't there. I looked for it in Variety and Hollywood Reporter, tried to track it down, Google, no luck. So they shouldn't be delayed because the holiday weekend hadn't happened when the numbers should have come out. They should have come out last Tuesday or Wednesday. Somehow I just missed it. So there you go. We did get some numbers, as Sperling said before, HBO Max is extending into 39 territories in the Caribbean and Latin America starting June 29th. And Stars had some news. They are at 30 million subscribers worldwide. They now have more people paying them directly via streaming than they do via cable. So they have almost 17 million people who are streaming the channel stars, and they have about 13 million who are paying to watch stars via their cable provider. So there are 30 million worldwide, and they love getting the money straight from the people because then they don't have to give any bucks to the cable company. Yeah, poor cable companies. You know, what can you do? Yes, well, they're bigger. They're monopolies. And they're paying a price now for years of poor service and high prices. Well, speaking of bigger, mm. I've got some big stories for you Sweet. during our during our big deal or big whoop segment. Big deal or big whoop is our weekly segment where we discuss the top headlines in entertainment and we tell you whether they're really important or just overhyped nonsense. Our first story is a big whoop. So I'm going to our no, just kidding. Oh. Uh, our, our first story is about Kelly Clarkson, or is it about Ellen DeGeneres, or perhaps both? Because who will be the next Ellen of daytime television? If NBC has anything to say about it, 
The answer is Kelly Clarkson. The American Idol winner has done her own friendly version of daytime TV, and NBC just happens to own that show. By the way, NBC just happens to also have many of the plum local stations Ellen was playing on, or I guess it's still playing, but it's going off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Now, out goes Ellen and in goes Kelly. So that's basically what's going to happen. But will the audience actually stick around? And is this a big deal or a big whoop? Well, it's a big deal because there's a lot of money involved. A lot of people are going to be jockeying for that daytime position. There's an opening when Oprah leaves or when Ellen leaves, when when somebody leaves Jeopardy by dying. God bless him, Alex Trebek. That's, you know, we're spending months now watching all these people audition for Jeopardy. And hey, Buzzy's doing pretty good, I have to say. Um, who, who is it now? Because I've lost track. For, for a week or two, it's been Buzzy, a former contestant, one of the top contestants. And I like him better than Ken Jennings. He's doing a good job. Uh, he's, he's right up there with Anderson Cooper in terms of the people I think are doing the best for the show. So, uh, you know, he's another white guy, um, but he's quite young. He's got a little more energetic, upbeat vibe about him. A lot of the people were too laid back, uh, but he's doing great. So we, we now, saw Steve. Now, has anybody told uh, the producers of Jeopardy that Anderson Cooper has a day job? <laughs> you can do game shows and other stuff too. It's very nice. I'd love to, I can do it even if I'm doing my podcast. So we've got Kelly Clarkson. She launched in September of 2019. Whoops. <laughs> Pandemic. Not a very hard year where she couldn't interact with people. It was all via Zoom. But she's been doing these, you know, uh, she begins the show with a song, which is quite unusual. Um, Sometimes if a daytime host sang, they would end the show with the song. But beginning with a new number every day, that's challenging and fun. But she's there alone. She's really looking forward to having an audience and guests actually in the room with her. So she really hasn't had the chance to reach her creative potential yet. And she's doing pretty good. So she's ready. So, you know, the bar has been lowered because she hasn't reached her full potential. And Ellen's numbers have dropped after her reputation as this queen of nice took a hit. So, you know, the standards are not as high as they might have been two years ago if you were following Ellen. Yeah. Who, who knew that she was only the joker of nice, not the queen of nice? Maybe she was the jack of nice. I don't know. But anyway, high school musical, the musical, the series. And by the way, you might think that I just stuttered. I did not. OK, that's the name of the show. It's called High School Musical the musical, the series. As I said, it's a hit, and it's produced a bigger act than the original High School Musical or even Glee ever did. Actress and singer Olivia Rodrigo enjoyed an out-of-the-box smash with her number one hit single, Driver's License. That's already better than Glee, which released a ton of songs that charted, but only one top 10 hit, and that hit was the very first song it released. That would be, by the way, Don't Stop Believin'. That was the hit song that they released. Now, Olivia Rodrigo hit number one with her debut album, Sour, which opened to a streaming equivalent of just under 300,000 copies, and it got good reviews, actually. So is this a big deal or a big whoop? Well, you know, we're all in a world of streaming now. Can they generate attention? Can they generate heat? Clearly, the right demo is watching High School Musical, the musical, the series, and they like what they see with Olivia Rodrigo. And of course, she's been introduced to a lot of new people who never watched the show at all, but it worked. It's launched her career, just like Ricky Nelson way back in the day with the adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. So streaming can deliver stars. It's important to see. It's been happening already. Here's another example. Well, you know, I I, I listened to some of the songs on the Olivia Rodrigo album and uh, it was good for me. Was, well, are if, you being funny? I, is that a pun? I, 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 I am being I funny I, because the, the name of her hit song is Good For You. Oh, her next, her newest single? 
Yes, her newest oh, single. Okay, well, you're, you're you're hipper than I am. Um, yeah, was the I, album I, was the album any good, or have you not okay, actually listened to it? I, I did not actually listen to it, but I did know the the hit song is good for you because of my children, and literally that's pretty much all I know about. Do they, do they watch the show? Uh, no, they have not watched the show, but I can tell you that uh, they they love this song. Good for you. I, on the other hand, am wondering why does every song have to have a profane word in it these days? <laughs> what the hell is going on there? <laughs> yeah. Well, now here's my question: Did you see the newest episode of Friends, Michael? The one where they all got back together? Do you see that one? I haven't watched it yet. Well, you know what? Here's the thing: You have a lot in common with the people who live in China because if you live in China, you didn't see all of it. Numerous celebrity cameos were cut because the outlets carrying the episode feared stars like Justin Bieber, Lady Gaga, and BTS were out of favor with the Chinese Communist Party. And so, you know, they thought it was safer to simply cut their appearances. Some minor bits, like a reference to urination, were cut for scatological reasons. Yeah, you know, the thing about that that's interesting is because the government didn't say you can't show this or you can't show that. They don't have to bother. The outlets know on their own, we better self-censor or we're going to get in trouble with the government. So the hard work is not done by the a central committee, which has to rubber stamp and say, no, you cannot do this or that. They've already got enough, you know, control over the economy in the country that people just self-censor themselves and what they put out. So each there were like three outlets showing it for some reason, and they all had like a slightly different length. Like four minutes were missing, six minutes were minutes, five minutes and 15 seconds. So that's kind of kind of uh, not amusing, but intriguing to think about. And you know, they all know they got a cut. They're just not sure what they want to cut and keep the government happy, but not tick off their fans. Well, I, what I don't understand is why not just let the government tell you what they need to cut? <laughs> exactly. you know, let them do the dirty work. Well, you know, you yeah. want it. You want to cut. Here it is. Cut it. Yes. And then why not be uppity in a totalitarian state? Yeah. <laughs> and we just got removed from China. What what have you got to lose other than your head? Uh, Speaking of which, also in hot water is actor John Cena. He stars in the latest Fast and Furious movie. And Cena worked overtime in the last year to ingratiate himself with the Chinese market. He really, I mean, he is a hard worker. I'm not kidding around. He is. He's really a hard worker. He's been learning Cantonese. I don't know why not Mandarin. And he's been posting social media content in Cantonese for almost a year now. Then he slipped up. He accidentally referred to the country of Taiwan. Whoops. Now, yeah, <laughs> you might be thinking, well, what's wrong with that? The country of Taiwan, you know, it's right off of uh, China. Well, here's the thing. China does not deal with people who refer to Taiwan as a separate nation. Lady Gaga was cut from friends just for meeting with the Dalai Lama. Okay. Cena apologized profusely for his unintentional mix up, but it's unclear if that will be enough to keep Fast and Furious from facing fan fallout. That's a lot of Fs, okay? But is it a big deal or a big whoop? Well, the censorship is always a bad thing to see. Uh, Poor John Cena. You know, he worked overtime and then he apologized. And then he got mocked here in the West for his abject apology. Not kowtowing, that's not the right government word. But, you know, abasing himself before the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, He's really in a world of hurt. And you know what? He wasn't making a political statement. He just forgot. He's, not, you know, in China, don't mention Taiwan. And he can't just do that in China. He can't refer to Taiwan anywhere in the world or the government will get angry. So this is the complications that people are going to deal with for a long time to come if that's how they're going to deal with the uh, Chinese party. Yeah, well, don't get me started. And as we said I- at the top of the show, uh, the box office for Fast and Furious fell 85 percent. 
pretty hard, even though the reviews weren't great. It, it's only going to do barely half of what the last two movies did. I think they paid a price. For that particular uh For him incident. saying something, yeah. And it was kind of a throwaway. God, what a what a mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, we should have... A, a, At know. least if he paid a price for making some bold stance and saying something he believed in, it would be a little... You could be a little more positive about it. But instead, he just... He had no intention of trying to say something political and screwed up. So it's sad in every possible way. He was already, you know, walking a fine line and trying to be politically savvy and not get in trouble and do what the Communist Party wants, which is already a problem, frankly. But didn't work that's pretty inside baseball don't you think it kind of is yeah and now you know it's what's funny about that is it is actually time for inside baseball inside baseball is where we analyze some of the headlines that have the entertainment industry buzzing we'll explain what they mean for the business and more importantly how they affect you now of course this week we've been talking about it for three weeks because it was a rumor that it was kind of official now it's official official because Amazon is buying MGM for $8.45 billion. Here's the thing that, that was the rumor. Originally, it was $11 billion. Then we said last week it was going to be 9 Then it's eight point four five, but it's really only $6 billion in cash. So it's just like, you know, where it keeps are they going gonna, Where are they going to wheel the cash? I hope it's in Bitcoin. Lordy, that's a lot of, that's a lot of cash. Have you ever heard of these things called checks or, you know, wire transfers? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. So what did they buy? They bought 4,000 movies and I believe 17,000 TV episodes. They say 17,000 TV shows. Well, no, they didn't buy 17,000 TV shows. That would be a lot. They bought a show that had 80 episodes, another show that had 120 episodes, another show that had 40, and so on. And it adds up to 17,000 TV shows. Of course, as Sperling pointed out last week, a lot of MGM has been sold off already and is now owned by Warner Media. So all the MGM movies pre-1986 or mid-80s, something like that, those are not part of the package. But what is part of the package is James Bond, Pink Panther, and Rocky, among many others. What else is on the table? Well, Raging Bull, RoboCop, so expect RoboCop the series any day now. That will <laughs> definitely be an Amazon Prime hit. Uh, Legally Blonde, Moonstruck, okay, so snap out of it, okay, that's uh, Moonstruck. Uh, Poltergeist, they're here, uh, isn't that Poltergeist, they're here? Yeah, like, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, Rocky, so I was going to do my Adrian, you know, just to, 12 Angry Men. Uh, mm -hmm. which is uh, a know, lot of stuff. The Western, the Magnificent Seven, Dave, you know, that's been rebooted and they could try the Pink again. Panther? To Tomb Raider. Yeah, Fargo. Yeah. But on the TV front, yes, they have the TV series Fargo, the TV series The Handmaid's Tale, and Vikings. Those are all, you know, pretty, pretty fully exploited at this point, but that's three good shows to have in your mix. God knows Amazon need it. What took them so long? Well, if you're going to have a streaming service and you want it to be anything other than a joke, you need a library. Yeah, I think that what took them so long is that uh, they actually tried before. This wasn't their first attempt. They went they to got Sony. a lot of money. They yeah, could have bought. They could have bought Fox. They could have played for Fox. They could have. There's lots of stuff out there that they could have tried to go for. Apple, same thing. They're not trying. What's up with that? <laughs> well, first of all, they uh, l let's. I'm just going to touch on Fox for a second. Fox wasn't really ever up for sale. It's that Bob Iger said, hey, <laughs> hey, Rupert, uh, what if we bought you? Well, and that hey, deal was Amazon, cut. Amazon or Apple could do that as well. Hey, Rupert, yes. what if we bought you? So that's yeah. exactly what Amazon did. And they went to Sony and said, hey, Sony, what if we bought you? 
And Sony went, hold on. Yeah, Sony said, you know, actually, we make more money if you don't buy us and we make content that you then have to buy again and again and again and again and again. And that we then get to sell... Yeah, yeah. To, then, then we get to sell the same stuff to Netflix later. So we're just going to play with everybody and be on our own. And so Amazon said, "Fine, we're taking our ball and we're going to go buy MGM." I mean, going home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they bought MGM. And so they are now bigger than ever. They were already pretty big. Does buying MGM's library raise antitrust issues for Amazon? No, not at all. I Why? wouldn't think so either. But other people s- said, "Oh, now they're going to come after them." I'm like, they already deserve antitrust, but not for this reason. I wouldn't think this doesn't no, seem. No, I to- mean, yeah. I mean, look, why would they? Like, I'm all for antitrust. Media, I'm all for making Warner- them some- right. Well, they shouldn't have had Warner Media. They shouldn't have allowed Disney to buy Fox. But even if they hadn't, I wouldn't think this particular move buying basically a library. It's not a very terribly active studio. It's really the library. So I wouldn't think that that would create a huge problem on the fact that they're already deserved to be busted for you know being too big and too much of a monopoly but yeah i wouldn't think this would put them over the top they're just buying one more big darn thing (sighs) yeah i i think here's the deal if you're amazon okay and you know you're going to be spending let's call it 15 billion dollars call it even just 12 12 billion dollars a year on content okay and i know it's probably more than that but you're going to spend 12 billion dollars a year on content you're probably going to spend an additional three billion dollars licensing content okay why not buy the studio? Why not just for, buy something for 10? You buy a whole library for $10 billion. Yeah, exactly. In other words, instead You're of done. renting it, own it. Yeah, and then you can depreciate it over time, of course. But uh, yeah, it, it just makes sense. When you go Is to it Apple the strongest library? No. No, but when you look at Apple and you go to the, it's like nothing there. You know, I know, like that's cool. why they're not succeeding. It's like 20 shows. Well, they don't need to succeed, right? It's like a no, freebie they, they add. They, it's like a freebie they add onto everything else, but it's not much of an appealing freebie when they have so little content. So it's not a good play. Their, their, their news magazine, their newsstand, that's very appealing. That makes me wish I could get that in a bundle. Uh, I just don't want to buy Apple, uh, uh, Apple Music. But, you know, that gets me closer. And if they had a great TV service, then they'd pull me in. Oh, yeah, wow. well, I think they're, that they are now making their own content. They have Ted Lasso as an example. Oh, no, and some decent content, but they, you know, it'll take them 20 years at this rate to have a library where you feel like you can scroll through it and find stuff to watch. <laughs> yeah, well, they're not unlike Netflix where they're like, let's make, um, here's what we're going to make, uh, everything. We're going to mm-hmm. make everything. And that's working for them, and everybody wants to be Netflix. Is there that's anything true. left to buy? I mean, there's always uh, no. smaller companies like Lionsgate may be in play just because it's a, a, a decent sized name and they've got a library, but there's not much left in play, is there? No, I mean, because, you know, the groups like Film 4 and Pathé, they sell off the rights in, you know, all over the world. So that's, I mean, you could buy Pathé or you could buy UGC or you could buy Film 4 uh, and these are all European entities. But at the end of the day, you then have partial rights in some places, but not in others. Well, they, they fade away, and then you get them fully. You know, that's, yeah. that's just a long-term play. So I don't think that's the same is true for the MGM buy. I'm just, a lot of his licensed out. you got to wait years before they all come back to you, just like HBO Max has to wait for some other license deals to play out. So that's just part and parcel of when you buy a big library. But I think the era of these big mega mergers may be over for a little while because it's dead because there's not much to buy. Wait a second. Mm. You said buy. Mm, oh wait, I did. You said not much. Mm, yeah, I did. 
I also uh, said wait, dead, 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 dead. I, I see dead people. We're not making fun. We like to we like to celebrate the people who have lived uh, with their when, when they die. We like to say, hey, is there something interesting or cool or awesome that we can say about them? Well, hey, won't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song? And if you do, remember singer B.J. Thomas. He won five Grammys and sold more than 70 million records, including eight number one hits, thanks to songs like that. Plus the theme song to the sitcom Growing Pains, which he sang alone and with Jennifer Warren's and with somebody else who I forget who it was. Then he had the huge pop hit Hooked on a Feeling." Billboard listed B.J. Thomas, this surprised me, among the 50 most played artists in the last 50 years. To ever be able to be on a list like that is pretty cool. He sang pop, country, gospel. He won the Grammys, the Doves, and the CMAs to prove it. that Those are the big awards in pop, gospel, and country music. He also faced drug addiction but overcame it and credited his born-again faith. That led him to record the gospel album Home Where I Belong in 1976. Many news outlets reported that that was the first gospel album to sell one million copies, or rather be certified platinum. And I guess that's true, though Aretha Franklin's Amazing Grace came out in 72 and is at least double platinum. Uh, But platinum was not around long, and it was probably the first one to be submitted. And older gospel albums probably never got submitted because they're much smaller labels. I don't know. I'm assuming Kirk Franklin or somebody went sold a million copies before him. Certainly in singles they did, but he apparently has the first platinum gospel album. Plus, most notably, he sang the Oscar-winning song, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. That was the pop song improbably dropped into the middle of the period film Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, but hey, it worked. Yeah, Brian Helgeland saw that uh, that movie, and he said, you know what? What if we, forget about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, what if we put pop music together with like, king arthur and and a knight's tale in fact <laughs> let's just call it a knight's tale and we'll just you know we'll cast heath ledger Dude. and we'll play rock music so i took issue with the idea that he was the first one to sell a million copies and i think i explained that i also take strong issue with the idea that he sold more than 70 million records in fact variety specifically says he sold 70 million albums i think that's impossible he had one top 10 hit on the country charts in the album division. He had no top 10 hit in the pop charts. He had no huge selling album. It's highly unlikely, if not impossible, that he sold 70 million albums worldwide. I'm assuming they're counting albums and singles. Even that, I mean, that's a huge achievement. So that's not to downplay it. Selling 70 million records, including singles and albums, hey. Maybe he's like Rodrigo. Maybe he's big in South Africa or someplace. 70 million would not be made up in South Africa. Uh, But uh, speaking of singers, John Davis, one of the real voices on those Millie Vanilli albums, he also died this week at the age of 66. What? Millie Vanilli died? No. Oh, no. Real Millie Vanilli died? There you go. That's right. That's right. I did not know that. But uh, also passing away was Jerome Hellman. He died at the age of 92. He is an Oscar-winning producer. He's worked with everybody. You name it. John Schlesinger, Peter Weir, George Roy Hill, Irvin Kirshner. Actually, if you were a director in the 70s, you probably worked with him. Mm -hmm. Well, those are about it. And that most 70s of the director of the 70s, Hal Ashby. He defines the 70s for me in a lot of ways because his movies were so eclectic. There's so much of that era. And I think he's a a really fun, interesting director. But here's a puzzle. Jerome Hellman produced seven films from 1964 to 1986. He did The World of Henry Orient with Peter Sellers all the way to The Mosquito Coast with Harrison Ford. He had two big smash hits, of course, Coming Home with Jane Fonda and John Voight and Midnight Cowboy, which won the Oscar for Best Picture. Seven films... Stopped in 1986, 
never did anything else as far as I can tell. Why did he stop? If you know, I have no, let us yeah. know. I looked everywhere to try to figure out, the, was he ill? Did he find something? Was he beekeeping? I don't know. But if you do, tell us. Yes, you can write to us, dirt at showbizsandbox.com. That's D-I-R-T at showbizsandbox.com. You can also call and leave us a voicemail. The number to call is 888-567-SAND. That's 888-567-7263. We're on Twitter, where our handle is at showbizsandbox. We're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash showbizsandbox is our page where you can like us. And uh, you know what? All of that information is on our website, showbizsandbox.com. Now, you will be hearing this again very soon so <laughs> please it will be on the final also dying this week was children's author eric carl he died at the age of 91 he wrote the very hungry caterpillar mic drop that's all you yeah. gotta do 70 50 million copies of the very hungry caterpillar but overall he sold 150 million copies illustrated more than 70 books most of which he wrote and a very cool distinctive collage style he was very innovative in the way he produced his books uh, like the Very Hungry Caterpillar. And this is cool. He founded the Museum of Picture Book Art in Amherst, Massachusetts in 2002. I'd like to check it out. Also dying was actor Samuel E. Wright of The Little Mermaid. He died at the age of 74. He was a two-time Tony nominee. And he'll be remembered forever as Sebastian the Crab in The Little Mermaid, in which he sang Kiss the Girl and the Showstopper under the sea. That is a great, great moment. He also yeah, worked you on... Know, you, mm -hmm. you know what I remember about Samuel Wright is he, he always thought the seaweed was greener in somebody else's lake. <laughs> he also worked on stage, TV, and film. And TV, of course, he appeared on an episode of The Cosby Show, which for a while was like law and order for black actors. Everybody was legally required to appear in it. He also starred in the sitcom Ball Four. This is fascinating to me. Based on the memoir by professional baseball player Jim Bouton, a great memoir if you like baseball. I did not know this. It starred Jim Bouton. <laughs> That's crazy. And he was also a bunch of grapes in a series of ads for Fruit of the Loom. Fruit of the Loom had ads where all the, the Fruit of the Loom fruits were all anthropomorphized and human beings dressed up as grapes and a banana and such. I remember these ads vividly. I don't know why. He was the grapes. Hey, it pays the bills. On Broadway, he had a great decade. In the 70s, he was in the original cast of Jesus Christ Superstar and replaced Ben Vereen in Pippin. In the 80s on Broadway, he got a Tony nomination for The Tap Dance Kid. Then came the movie The Little Mermaid. And in 1997, he starred in one of the biggest Broadway hits of all time, playing the father, Mufasa, in the original cast of The Lion King. So that's wow. pretty that's pretty cool. And fun fact, I was looking him up in 1995 the Apollo Theater put on The Wiz. They they put on a, a production of The Wiz with Mr. Wright plus Cedric the Entertainer, Keith David and Whitney Houston. That wow. was probably that was probably a hard ticket to get. <laughs> yeah. Has a, well, has, a TV, has a TV show about baseball ever worked? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I I should have listened to him because he always said darling it's better down where it's wetter. <laughs> Take it from me. Danny McBride had a modest hit with Eastbound and Down on HBO, but that only ran for 29 episodes. But that's as close as baseball ever got. But Gavin McLeod had a hit. He was the star oh, of The God. Love Boat and the Mary Tyler Moore Show. He died in 90. He began as an usher at Radio City Music Hall, and then he enjoyed one of the longest runs in primetime history on a scripted show going from the Mary Tyler Moore Show, arguably the greatest sitcom of all time, to The Love Boat for an unbroken string of 17 seasons. He's got a good role in a pretty good Korean war flick I love called Pork Chop Hill. He was also a supporting sailor on McHale's Navy, which was a dumb show, but he quit that to be in The Sand Pebbles and some other films. 
And then you got on the Mary Tyler Moore show. That That is a great show. And virtually the entire cast won Emmys. Everybody won an Emmy except for McLeod. The only other recurring character of note who didn't win was Georgia Engels as Ted Baxter's girlfriend. But even she was nominated. He was never even nominated. And that show, you know, I mean, it's one of the best of all time. That is a, that's, you can put on your tombstone right there. The Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah, that's true. Although I think he might probably, well, I guess he'd be, he'll be remembered, he'll be remembered for that, but he will always be remembered for Love Boat. Oh, well, Mary Tyler Moore is a more enduring show. I don't think kids binge watch The Love Boat and they're not rushing to watch The Mary Tyler Moore Show, but that's an enduring show, whereas The Love Boat is basically junk. Yeah, well, look, The Love Boat is always making another run. <laughs> you're, and it promises something for everyone. You're probably upset because last week I had so many Bob Dylan references that made your head spin. <laughs> yeah, but I only found out half of them after while I was editing. I was like, oh, that's another Bob Dylan reference. <laughs> I kept working them in, waiting for you to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Well, I guess I did after I listened to the show again. But you know what? I'm going to be listening to this show for a while while I edit this week's episode. Are, are we off next week? No. Oh, okay, okay. Just wondering, okay. But I have, you see, we record and then I, oh, and then yeah, I, I take out all of our mistakes, which is, I mean, we were, each show is about nine hours and then we edit it down to, you know, a seven trim and a half. Two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know what? Uh, if you want to see how long our show will be next week, why not subscribe to us on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Microsoft Marketplace, Stitcher, Spotify, any one of those podcast aggregators, those pod catchers, those pod places. You can subscribe to us. You can even, in some of them, not all, you can rate and review us. It really helps us out when you do that. So please feel free, rate and review us. Now, that information, as well as links to all of the stories we've discussed on today's episode, can be found on our website, showbizsandbox.com. That's where you'll find all those ways to contact us that I was mentioning just moments ago. They are dirt at showbizsandbox.com. That's D-I-R-T at showbizsandbox.com. Of course, you can call and leave us a voicemail. The number to call is 888-567-SAND. That's 888-567-7263. Our Twitter handle is at showbizsandbox. Facebook.com slash showbizsandbox is where you can like our page. All that information on our website, showbizsandbox.com. The music that you hear at the beginning and end of each show is by the popular indie rock group, MGMT. They can be found on their own website, who is MGMT.com. Michael Giltz has a website, and every week it's something new and exciting and special. So what is it this week, Michael? Well, this week it's LaFlorian.com, but it's taken. I don't know if the, the Tolkien estate should sue, but I don't want to get nice old Ray Rishpater in trouble. He's a ham radio guy, and he's a programmer and a software engineer, so leave him alone, I say. But that it's there. <laughs> Here's my question. How long is his beard? <laughs> There's no You photos. know he's got a long beard. You There's just no, know it. <laughs> Oh, there are photos. Let me see. Five, four, three. Oh, it's just of like stuff. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, not of, it's not of good old Ray. <laughs> Here's my ham radio. <laughs> he's a, he's a serious me. programmer. He's published a number of books on programming. So, you know, oh, Microsoft wow. mapping, application development with QT Creator, you know, second edition, JavaScript, JSON, cookbook. Eh, you know, good for him. And... He's also a ham radio operator. Yep. But you know what? If you can't find any of Michael's coverage of the entertainment industry on that particular website, and apparently you cannot, why not head on over to michaelgiltz.com where all of his work is aggregated? Some of my work can be found on celluloidjunkie.com. Until next week, play nice. <laughs>
I've got a story about the love boat. I was with my friend at minor league baseball. I think it was like single A, the Renegades. I forget what their nickname was, but there was a scuffle on the field. Two players were starting to get into a fight. Tensions were running high. And as they're scuffling on the field, the uh, the, the, the announcer doing the play-by-play started playing the theme from the love boat. The love boat soon will be made. It's really hard to fight. When that song is playing, you just you just feel stupid. You just feel like an idiot. And I'm like, everybody laughed. You're like, well, that's pretty effective, actually. The fight pretty much calmed down. <laughs> they should actually, they should do that. On, In the Middle uh, East? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. Well, yes. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, whenever there's a fight, like in hockey. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure other people do. That's... I was watching a, a baseball game recently and they played uh, the theme to Gilligan's Island and people were trying to figure out what is the reference here? And uh-huh. it was because the game had gone over the three hour mark. Well, there you go. And of course. Yeah. But three hours do tour. that in baseball because they have to play it every single day. <laughs> <laughs> baseball is so long. <laughs> oh yeah. What can you do? Kind of like our show, by the way.